Good morning, and happy Father's Day to everyone out there. It's a cruel piece of trickery on the part of the lectionary that guide each week's scripture readings, that some of our most anti-family readings happen on this day when we're supposed to celebrate our families and, above all, our fathers. Now first we have the original father, Abraham, casting out his actual firstborn son, Ishmael, into the desert with the son's mother, Hagar. They wander around in, into what would be certain death until Hagar cries out. God intervenes and Ishmael fathers the Arab peoples, we're told. Abraham's kind of left off the hook, but you have to admit, it's certainly a touchy start to how we celebrate fatherly love. And then in the gospel, in Jesus' missionary discourse, he seems to rip into any semblance of family unity. He tells us, for I have set man against his father and a daughter against her mother. Now, Jesus is surprisingly anti-family in the Gospels, and no place more so than here in today's reading from Matthew. So, before we all get depressed and to sulk into whatever may pass for a dance day celebration in these pandemic times, it appears some context is needed to help decipher some of today's readings. Now for the gospel, Jesus is speaking with his disciples before sending them out on their own throughout Israel. They've been gifted with some of Jesus' powers of healing, casting out unclean spirits, and preaching the good news of the kingdom. What he's doing is he's warning them about the tough times ahead. Today's reading is something of a pep talk to help them steel themselves for the challenges that lie ahead. Now, I'm a big fan of sports movies. Movies like Hoosiers, or We Are Marshall, or The Blind Side, or Rudy, and any of them, and all of them. And there's always a key scene that inevitably takes place that gets me always teary-eyed. It's usually in the locker room just before the big game, and the team is ready to go on and face their bigger, stronger, and snazzier uniformed opponent. The coach bangs on the locker and details how tough the challenge is going to be how ill-suited the players are to actually win the game. Then he assures the beleaguered players that if they play with all their hearts, they'll walk away winners, even if the scoreboard says they lost. Man, and that gets me every time. And I kind of liken Jesus' talk today to as a similar kind of pep talk. The disciples will be outmatched. They'll be persecuted. They're going to be challenged at every turn. The opponent is bigger, stronger, more crafty. They have nicer tunics. But if the disciples stay focused on the kingdom, if they only focus, if they focus only on God's call, they will emerge victorious, even if they lose their life in the process. In this single-minded focus on God's call, all of their divisions disappear. Nation, race, even family allegiances fall away. Kingdom values replace them all, even family values. But what are some kingdom values? The disciples, we are told, speak truth to power. They shine a light where most would rather darkness remain. They open up to the oppressed, the poor, the widow, the orphan, the alien. They risk everything, knowing they might even die in the pursuit, because they are called to be fearless. They are more valuable in God's eyes than even the lowly sparrow. 
Now last week the reading referred to the assembled as the apostles, what we call the sent ones, tasked with going through Israel, spreading the word. This week these same men are called disciples. And the term disciple means learner. And that distinction is important. For while they are being sent out, their learning continues. Discipleship is for them and, and also for us a lifelong project of learning what it means to follow in the ways of Jesus. And a central focus of today's reading on discipleship is obedience, complete obedience to God's call, following in the ways and teaching of Jesus, obedience. Now we tend to think of obedience in what might be called static or authoritarian terms. We obey someone or something because it has greater power over us. In this view, might really does make right. The more power we accumulate, the more invulnerable we become. But I don't think this is Jesus' interpretation of power and invulnerability. In fact, the more power he gives his disciples here, healing, casting out demons, or preaching, the more vulnerable they become. They are sent out by themselves into hostile parts of Israel to speak a countercultural message. They aren't backed up by an army or even grouped together for protection. They're alone, armed just with God's word. Theirs is not a static, power-driven call, but, but more a dynamic, kingdom-driven one. A call that will morph itself into each situation, each encounter, as needed to connect the disciple to the community. A healing here, a sermon there, calling truth to power here, helping the orphan over here. And the disciple, the learner, continues to grow through every interaction. Their discipleship, their learning to walk in the ways of Jesus, grows stronger each time. Divisions fall away, exposed for their inherent powerlessness, as the unity in the kingdom of heaven grows. In this dynamic kingdom call, even the individual disappears into the collective, the community, and the church. They experience a constant movement closer toward God, deeper into this kingdom view. Now, I said if you change the lens, you can change your life. That, to a very real extent, the lens with which we see the world guides how we live our lives in. If your lens is always tuned to doom and disaster, the setbacks that are an inevitable part of the human condition will dominate your worldview. Conversely, if your lens is focused on the more optimistic, the joys of living will be front and center. I wouldn't go so far as to say that our lens determines our life. That's far too superficial and maybe a bit too new agey for me. But our lenses can guide what we pay attention to, what's most salient. Today's Matthew reading asks us to try on a kingdom lens, to see the world through a present an ever-appearing kingdom, a kingdom of heaven view, if you will. So with our kingdom lens squarely on, what might we see? Divisions would disappear. While our worldly lens might depict an apparent reality of political, racial, societal, and national division, one that reaches down and tears even families apart, a kingdom lens unites us across all divides. 
beloved children of God, created by God and called good. A kingdom lens unites us in our own lifelong journey, our own, our own discipleship, to walk in the ways and teachings of Jesus. Now, one of the most memorable lines in today's gospel is when Jesus tells us, do not think that I come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. It's a verse that progressive churches like ours are likely to shy away from because it doesn't fit with our loving Lamb of God, Savior Jesus lens that we're accustomed to. But here he's saying, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. But what if the peace that's disrupted is our own? That the sword is turned against us as it upends our own comfortable but limited worldview. Do an experiment. Take a moment and think of someone who is the most divisive, challenging, and raging person that you can think of. Think of this person and the folks around who support him or her. Does thinking about that, does that make you feel at peace? Or do you feel anxious, angry, hoping for their misfortune or even more, their demise? Does that feel peaceful? Is that walking with Jesus or walking alone in our own limited worldview? What if Jesus called, is calling us to use this sword to erase even these divisions, and especially these divisions? To stop demonizing any sense of the other in any form we see it, but to instead realize how they too are beloved children of God. We don't reduce their humanity, but we lift up their divinity, their connection to us as God's children. A kingdom lens might just cause us to do that, don't you think? We are all disciples, we're all learners, and we'll spend all our lives learning how to walk with Jesus. Seeing the world through his eyes is a good way to start. Today we celebrate the various forms of family we share, and we call it for now Father's Day. Jesus calls us into a deeper relationship with each other, above any and all divisions, separations, and definitions of any kind. And we celebrate our participation in God's creation as part of the whole human family. Change the lens, change your life. Let's use this Father's Day as a chance to try on our kingdom lens and to start to change all our lives. Amen.